Today I'm delighted to introduce to you Antikona Sopi, a true martial artist at heart. She's a boxing therapist, trainer for sport rehabilitation and violence prevention trainer. At age 22, Antigona was diagnosed with MS, multiple sclerosis, a nervous system disease in which the immune system turns against itself, causing damage to nerve pathways. Because of this disease, Antigona decided to bring martial arts closer to other people struggling with similar diseases. So let's dive right in. You're about to experience a new way to thrive in martial arts by exploring who you are, what you love and standing up for what you believe in. It's time to rise because this is where we challenge and say no to outdated industry norms and say yes to change so that we create a healthier, happier and thriving martial arts community. I'm your host, Laurine Zuhake. Welcome to the Rise to Thrive podcast. Welcome listeners, welcome Atiguna. I'm really, really excited to have her on this podcast because we are going to talk today about a topic that we haven't spoke about before, and that is martial arts and disability, or in some way, shape or form, a limitation that shouldn't stop you from learning the beautiful martial arts. So Antigona, please introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your martial arts journey and how did you come to offer this sort of um martial arts training as well as with your partner what i read from your website also therapy boxing okay so good morning uh Lorraine and all to all listeners i'm antigona and i'm very proud to be here with you guys i'm living in a beautiful city munich germany and i'm 46 years old and um, i'm doing martial arts now for over 30 years long journey <laughs> really and um, I started with uh, Taekwondo when I was 12 years old and I was passionate as a child for Kung Fu watching Bruce Lee movies like the most childs in, <laughs> in my decade and um, there was a dojo opening in Munich and I went in I saw all the people doing their stuff and I said, I want to go in there and I want to do Taekwondo. And um, yeah, this is till today my first love in martial arts. Yeah, it brought me through many, many phrases uh, in my life. And um, with 22 years, a doctor said to me, well, girl, you're in the middle of your life and you see you can't move like you used to it's like you you're uh, have a disease and i have to tell you you have uh, ms multiple sclerosis and this was one of my uh, baddest days of my life well i had uh, a really really tough time really uh, long time for recovery and the doctor said you never have the chance to do a taekwondo anymore and this was for me the uh, this was <laughs> more bad than the disease i was trained over the a decade in taekwondo and i was so passionate and i had so many uh, projects plans i wanted to be a coach and in this minute everything died so um but after the recovery time, I never forgot this martial arts and I ever want to move and I, 
I loved and I missed all these things about martial arts. And um, yeah, I decided not to break up, not to move along without martial arts. I said, I have to move on with, but I didn't know how. And there was no one to describe me, okay, you can do your things, but on the other way, you can start. And let's look how this could develop. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a tough time, I said. And um, in the near from the place where I'm living, a dojo with kickboxing opened. So I made my mind, okay, what should I do? Should I begin again with martial arts? Should I do something really different? And kickboxing is different. <laughs> and I said, okay, I walk in. I have a look, let's try. I walked in, I saw all the people doing this stuff and it was very, very impressive. And I had so much fun, even I watched. And I said, okay, I will do an hour training with them. And when I go out of this gym and I see everything's all right, I will sign and I will start with kickboxing. So at this time I was 30 years old and it was uh, a huge thing for me because I have seen on my own, I can do all the things and I have this disease. And I made my mind up, okay, how could this work for other people? So I made my own development, my progress, and um, I wanted to took all these things I have learned in Taekwondo, the traditional discipline, focus, it's really different to kickboxing. And all these movements, um, things from kickboxing, I put them together. I've joined many teachers and coaches in uh, boxing, jiu-jitsu or self-defense, and it was very impressive. It made my style of martial arts and uh, the person I am today. I started uh, working in a therapy practice with people who are, uh, everyone has a disease. They are paralyzed after stroke. They're sitting in a, a wheelchair, um, cellar palsy and things you never known. And I thought, hey, the way that I went through with martial arts could this work for these guys? So I started to ask them, hey, do you like to join boxing or uh, Taekwondo? What do you think? And they said, huh, I'm sitting in a wheelchair. And I said, okay, we do the things martial arts, but we have to make up our mind. How could we change that for you? And when someone's paralyzed, they said, okay, I can move one side of my body. Yeah, okay, but you still have the other side. And maybe there will a progress you never imagined. So, okay, the first five, four people said, okay, we'll try. We have nothing to lose. And it's really, really great. They're so, so inspiring. And um, this made my decision to another thing in my life is uh, boxing therapy. Um, it's a very great thing because you have some tools from boxing, but it's a mental thing too. 
and it's a very great and impressive way to work with people also with uh, diseases also with mental diseases when they are close to burnout or they are depressive borderline and um, they have nothing where they could feel happy and you can bring them a sparkle on this day it's so amazing to to see you can do such a little thing and it brings so much for them and so now i'm a martial artist taekwondo kickboxing i uh, already started with brazilian jiu-jitsu and for me it's 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 everything it's it's like yin and yang everything is now it makes sense for me and i'm working with people with uh, diseases and mental diseases and it's such a great thing to see martial arts can be so much more than sports or competition it's a way of life and all the old masters when they say it's a do it's a way it's really a way and there are so many different ways for so many people so i talked a lot <laughs> sorry laurie <laughs> no need to apologize we all want to listen to your story and of course, I have questions, of course. Um, just for our listeners, can you explain what MS is and kind of like what it usually means when you get diagnosed with MS? Yeah, it's uh, it's a disease you can't see. Uh, I don't know how to explain it. It's, it's a disease from the nerves. The nerves are um, responsible for moving. And um, when you get a cold or something else, your body is working against it, and my body is working against herself, not against the disease or uh, the cold or uh, whatever. And um, I have to stay <laughs> really, really clear without everything. When someone sneezes in my <laughs> in my uh, close uh, part, I have to stay away. And um, yeah, all these nerves getting more and more broken inside. It's like an um, electric line. When the electric line is through, as it's done, you can move anything more anymore. And uh, yeah. Right. So basically, it's like the nerves, they give strength to muscles. So when that connection is broken, the muscles stop kind of working, you lose power and movement or power um even the feeling when you know, someone touches you you feel nothing it's like no one's touching you when someone uh, has cold hands and touches you you feel oh cold hands or warm hands mm -hmm. or someone is scratching you you uh, usually feel everything but when i'm um, on the highest point of this disease you can feel anything. You can scratch me, you can uh, cut me with a knife. Really, you feel nothing. It's, it's, uh, it's a bad. But you can recover. So how does that work? So you were, is it something forever? Or is this something that you need, as, as you mentioned, to recover, then you could do things again? How does that work? Uh, if you recover, no one knows. It's really a if. All right. If your body wants to recover or 
can't recover. I, I don't know how to explain it really because I have my disease now uh, since 22 years and I can still move. I can still walk. I can still uh, feel anything. I'm a martial artist on my own. I'm a martial artist coach. I can do nearly everything as anyone else. And there are so many people with my disease and um, they're poor, uh, really. The most of them um, are in a wheelchair. Three, four percent from uh, multiple sclerosis people are lying just in their bed, can't move anymore. They can drink on their own. They can't eat on their own. There's nothing, nothing to do more in their lives on their own. And um, yeah, it's it's uh, disease with thousand faces. Someone told me, you can have this disease, and someone else could it have too. But how this will progress, no one knows. And even a doctor can tell you, okay, you go this way or you go this way. It's no one knows. But mm -hmm. what every uh, doctor says, what uh, the most important thing is, is to move mm -hmm. even when you say okay I, I go out every day for a walk 15 minutes mm -hmm. 20 minutes it's good when you can do sports do sports a sport uh, what you prefer you can do like me <laughs> uh, something in uh, martial arts you can uh, go for um, jogging what's really good yoga mm -hmm. It's something for your mental thing um, when you're really stressed out. I do it on my own here uh, at home. It's pretty good thing. Um, riding a bike, what you want. Yeah, I would be interested because basically when you can create new neural pathways, but that still works because it's kind of like how you can fight against it because when they regen degenerate, especially with yoga, because then you open up and you move in directions we don't move in in our normal life. That's, yeah. I think, also one of the physical benefits of yoga. And I mean, well, in jiu-jitsu, you're, you know, they do yoga for you. <laughs> 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 like involuntary yoga. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I can imagine that you need to remain active. I mean, also in a healthy person. I mean, you don't move as a healthy person or someone who doesn't have MS, uh, also with your brain, these neural connections, they die, like, regardless. Yeah. And uh, you, you, you notice that, like, when I, I love learning languages, when I stop that, because I don't know, something comes in between, I notice it, that when I start again, it is good for my brain. Um, yeah. So I can imagine that indeed moving so much, and of course, having the right mindset, I think mindset is also a lot. I mean, it is something to swallow when a doctor says to you like, oh, yeah, I know you're passionate about martial arts or whatever you're passionate about. But you know, those days are over. Mm. I think, I mean, when you when you're somebody that then believes the doctor, I can also imagine how that kind of takes the takes the energy out of doing anything. Because I mean, like your type, like who's like fuck this, you know? <laughs> like I, I'm like the same. Like I, I went to a chiropractor, and, and funnily enough, he stopped martial arts also because like he um, had also herniated discs and this kind of stuff, and he stopped. And I'm like, no, like why? I just need to learn how to deal with it and go around it to still to do what I do. But that's like a mindset thing as well. Do you think that mindset played a massive role in you being able to still do so much? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's the most important thing, uh, indeed. My grandmaster in, in Taekwondo once said, you train your body, mind, 
and soul. And when I was uh, about 12 years old, I thought, oh, the old guy, <laughs> what are you telling us? And um, now I'm pretty much older, it's one thing, but when you uh, go through the stages of your life, you see it's maybe the most important sentence this man told us uh, when we were kids. It's mindset is something it's uh, underrated because when uh, the doctor said to me, for example, okay, uh, Antigona, um, you can't do martial arts anymore. Do something what's uh, less stressful. Okay. What should I do? <laughs> I didn't know at this time, what should I do? So um, when you say, yeah, the doctor said, and uh, I don't have to do this and I don't have to do that and don't this and it's too stressful. But what does this doctor really uh, know about me? A person uh, or what I feel, what's really good for me? He could only say, okay, this might be good for you, or this might be too stressful for you. But what is too stressful, I decide for myself. So I don't think for me that martial arts is too stressful for me. Maybe for someone else it is. So they can go walk, can go for jogging, something else. It's so many possibilities on this earth, but yet on this time for me martial arts is for me uh, not only a sport it's it's really a way of life is something i need is something i want to have in my life and because of this i said to me okay i want to do this and nothing else because this is good for me i can really train not only my body but also my brain, my mind, I can calm down after a stressful day in an office and um, I meet people, I can talk to them, their topics are so different and it's so good for me, for my soul and yeah, mindset is, is the most important thing because you can change everything with, uh, with the things you are thinking about you, yourself, and what's possible because when you say okay um i can't do this okay you can't do this because it's a border you have left for yourself mm -hmm. when you say okay i want to try this let's see how good this works it's a big step for you and for your mind and you see it, what's possible and this is so good for your self-esteem for everything you you are feeling I also think like that many people have this all or nothing mentality, like one of these cognitive distortions, these limiting beliefs mm. that if I cannot do martial arts the whole way, I don't want to do it all. Like because that's what I like so much about martial arts. It's like a sliding skill. Like as you said, if you can only move one side of your body, well, if you can kind of move it and punch it, you can still get a good jab or a cross, whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think when people realize like you can maybe not have like, I don't know, the full, you know, full contact sparring stuff. But if you are okay with letting this moving and working on your technique, getting a workout out of it, letting your brain work, then you're already doing it. Then you're still a martial artist. And that's also like what I teach also in the Thrive Drive Method is that when you have somebody 
say, a woman who got sexually assaulted and feels the need that she wants to learn more to protect herself, but touch is still problematic. We have all kinds of games where at first there is a little bit of touch, but not a, not a lot. And there's still like a goal. You kind of want to make the other person make a step or something. And that's still sparring already, even if it's just very simple, but it's still sparring. And step by step, you kind of get a little bit more touch in so they get more used to touch. And that's how you step by step ease into, say, grappling or striking or clinching, whatever it is that you kind of want to go and do with, with, with this person, which is why I think indeed martial arts can be so therapeutical, which I want brings me to the next question. So you mentioned that you have boxing therapy. So how does it look like? So you described that it just this it changes something it can bring people with without diseases, mental, physical can bring so much. How would that look like? Can you give a few examples of like how how do you do it? Say also people in a wheelchair, people that make so can stand, like can you give us some ideas and insight? Yeah, it's actually a difference when I uh, have students with a disease or when students come to me for uh, boxing therapy, mm -hmm. when uh, I'm uh, training with uh, the guys with diseases, wheelchair and so on, <laughs> when you would come in, into a room <laughs> with all these guys and me, it looks like a, a club of uh, bondage. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, they come, the most uh, most people I know for sure but when I meet someone for the first time I talk to them okay what's what's really disease the most of them they have have one disease only they have so much more mm -hmm. and uh, I have to know about all the things mm -hmm. that happened uh, what's possible moving um, arms legs maybe the head and um, what they expect to do. So what do they think or what are their wishes for the future? And it's, it's the most important thing when you are uh, trained with uh, people with diseases is the uh, development. It's, it's not as quick as normally, as usually. Yeah, yeah but uh, I, I've met so many coaches and when I talk to them, hey, uh, what's your course like? They say, oh, Jesus, nothing's moving on. Oh, it's so slow. Yeah, sure. They have never done boxing or a taekwondo or even self-defense. They have to learn their body new. What's possible? Can I move this thing? Do I have the power? How long can I strike, jab, punch, even I get tired? There's so many things you have to learn as a coach uh, new. It's, it's, it's a really, really uh, new thing. And when you say, okay, uh, they have to punch three minutes, okay, start. They never when do, they will never do punches three minutes on time. No, never. And um, yeah, first, it's, it's, it's the most important thing to talk. It's the same and therapy boxing when they come it's uh, important to see each other who are we and um, they get to know me who i am i will know what's the history but uh, i don't um, want to pressure them when they tell me okay they had a uh, sexual assault okay it's a topic i know 
and when they want to tell me a little more, it's okay. And when they don't want to, it's also okay. It's uh, in, in therapy boxing. It's is a uh, yeah. We have to trust each other, but this trust have uh, must build step by step. And you meet people; they tell you everything, and you know uh, after an hour more <laughs> than you <laughs> that, uh, that you expect. Yeah, that you, that you expect. And um, there are many people most. Uh, young uh, girls after a, a mobbing phase or um, when they went through the sexual assault they're so uh, weak little uh, they're so uh, closed when they sit uh, against you you think oh can, does she really want to sit here and talk to me it's it's yeah, it's very impressive. It is hard. But I also think like for a coach, there's also like this ethical part like that, that even if it's like therapeutic boxing, like you're not like a therapist. What I kind of always want to know is if they know any triggers, I would like to know those. Yeah. Because sometimes when I ask them what happened, I may re-traumatize them. Because then I kind of ask them to go back in time again to tell me what what happened. Like I think it's a very kind of gray area where I say, okay, usually I'm like, you don't need to tell me, but if you know any triggers, anything yeah. that helps me help you, yeah. um, then please let me know. And indeed some over time you get more, especially if you come to the point where you want to do some scenario training, usually I let them decide. Yeah. So I let them create some sort of storyline that we like play through. And sometimes that is literally kind of almost literally like what happens. Sometimes it's something that kind of comes close to that. But I always let them choose that. Even when I have, look, with privates, it's a little different, but still in also in, even if I have a self-defense class, even if it's with women that all have their traumatic histories, um, if somebody has a traumatic trigger, of course, I know how to bring them back. That's also like what is so important about, but I think every coach should learn this. So guys, you know, there comes this free mini course soon. So yeah. watch it because that's like where I explain this. But the thing is like, I cannot... After that, I cannot be like a therapist. I cannot give them a therapy session because that's inappropriate because that's not the setting where you are. Yeah. So that's why I'm always like, yes, you build a connection, but there is also a little bit of boundary with what you in one go can talk about because yeah. like I cannot, I cannot help them with what happened kind of in the past or to dig into that because I'm not qualified. But I think what martial arts can do so well is working with the, the residue, so to speak, that's in the body. Because usually whether it's trauma from an assault or also trauma from having a debilitating disease is also ultra traumatic. It's normal that people lose their body-mind connection. Yeah. I know many women, also men, that like have feel numb in certain places. They do not have necessarily a physical disease, but the trauma was so, um, so profound many. that they just kind of got split. So certain things they don't feel. And martial art is so great. Like, for instance, we had one time somebody had to grip the gi and at one point his hand became tired. Yeah. And just feeling for the first time that his, his hand, that it became tired is like so huge. Or with punching that the shoulder starts throbbing because, you know, you have to learn how to remain loose. Um, in the beginning, you, you do that. And I think 
that is something where martial arts is so great with movement, yes, in the new neural pathways, but also to bring spirit, body, and mind together. I think that is like so great. And as to progressing less fast, I think we just need different values where you um, compare to what? Like if you say to somebody in wheelchair that this person doesn't uh, learn to have a nice, a powerful boxing combination as fast as somebody who can move, that's a kind of like an odd comparison to make where I'm kind of like, but based on what he cannot do and we focus, of course, on what he or she what's can possible. do, yeah. what's possible, I think that's huge. Like the fact that they can even throw a punch or have a combination or anything like that. Because if you see also sometimes people in wheelchairs doing like volleyball or something else, like, oh my, like that's so epic and intense. (laughs) 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 Or I'm like, oh my God. Um, Where I think like we should really figure out like in this situation, what is success? Yeah. Because obviously success for a person in a wheelchair is not making it to the UFC or, or (laughs) you know, like you don't get there. Um, But I think that, going to a class daring first of all daring to go to a class to even think like maybe i could do it is already huge and super scary so i mean i think when people come to you and they they understand they have to say something is already like the fact that they come is already like the biggest i think victory over themselves for themselves ever and then like of course from then i think it only just goes and of course everybody has good and bad days but i think it's doing something Often we just are too much in our minds and we think and think, but I'm like, do something, just do something because that's how you start solving problems or at least making things better. It's, it's really cute to see uh, um, a group uh, of uh, people with disease. When I started this group, everyone knows each other. They're working together. Mm -hmm. They're uh, doing their things. uh, And, um, when they sat or stand uh, in this room, was they were so embarrassed. I looked at them, red faces, and I asked, hey, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Ah, they could see better than before what I can do. Or uh, when you say uh, I have to do, mm-hmm. for example, strike. Oh, when I, <laughs> when I want to do it good, everyone will see it. So, yeah, you, you, you know everyone, but... It's a different uh, scene in their life. And um, it was very, very uh, great to see them grow for themselves as a person and as a group. And um, (laughs) now we are going to the summer. You see, uh, they want to compete with each other. Okay, so last time we made some strikes uh, and... Now let's see, they're talking to, uh, to each other. Now let's see, can you strike one minute without, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> break. without a break? Yeah. So I stood there with a the time. Okay, let's see. Clock. And they strike and they work and they do everything they can. And you see, after 30 seconds, usually they would stop there, won't move won't do anything. Then together they stroke one after one. Uh, It was so great to see that they want to push each other. And uh, this was for me uh, a goal I never thought 
I could reach with them. Mm-hmm. My first steps were, oh, okay, we won't begin with strikes. They're all interested in boxing. So we do boxing. And uh, they wanted to know the techniques. Okay, strike, how to hold the hand, how to hold arm. And um, even to do only jab punch, it was for some very difficult. Mm-hmm. It was difficult to hold their arms up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, to close their hands. Mm-hmm. And um, there were so embarrassed okay i can't close my hands yeah it's okay you have a disease you can't close your hands it's okay so strike like you can strike what's possible in your movement with your fingers move and it's fine and the first steps were very very hard for them and uh, for me i had to learn to keep calm Mm -hmm. because I was stressed not that they move slower than other students I wanted the feeling for them after an hour everything went well so Mm -hmm. I looked after the one who was in the wheelchair the next is standing good but after a stroke paralyzed so okay what can we do and I was so stressed and Really, after four, three or four weeks, I said, hey, how could we do this less stressful? So, okay. Then, fourth time, I went into the room, closed the door, and I said, okay, everyone now is standing in a corner of a room with all the movements that are possible. You can stand, okay? You go to the mirror. You are in a wheelchair, yeah, okay. We go here with the weights working. And this was the start to, to see, okay, you have four people or five people in a group. Everyone uh, is having a disease, but every person is special on its own way. And to say, okay, it's all right. You, they do what they can, and I will only push them in the way they, uh, it's possible. So and today is it's really like I said before, like a bondage club, <laughs> because I have two uh, in a wheelchair, and they said about ten years ago they could stand on their own. In the last ten years, mm-hmm. everything uh, went bad for them, but they wanted to see or to feel again how it looks like, how it feels like to stand. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, it was really tricky, but uh, I understood this wish. So I took a physical therapist, said, hey, Anna, could you help me? Okay, yeah, what? They want to stand. Really? Okay, let's look. (laughs) And we we searched for towels or anything, and we lifted had uh, uh, I don't know how we were yeah, some, some some hooks that they could kind yeah, of hold yeah, on to yeah mm-hmm. sure hooks and they stood and to see how happy they were only to imagine how it felt like a decade before standing and in this minute or a second where they stood 
they began to box. Mm -hmm. And it was so a great experience for me, but also for them. And since that day, we have to lift them up and they are boxing while they're standing. And it's so great to see that they know they're okay. They're uh, in a wheelchair, but for this hour in a week, they can stand and can do everything while they're standing. And it's so great. That is, I get goosebumps from it. Like, it's like, I think you give them some normalcy back because all the time, I mean, I think, yes, they have special needs and all that, but they don't want to be reminded of that all the time that they need special needs sometimes you know like i yeah i know somebody also who's like paralyzed up to here to the neck and uh, it's a friend and when the phone rings sometimes this person just totally forgets this person can't take it so just like offers the phone and it's like oh shit yeah sorry <laughs> and does it <laughs> and like but and, and my friend loves it because he doesn't feel disrespected he's like oh you know i'm just being treated like a normal human being you know Yeah, yes, yeah. because sometimes yeah. we're like, oh my God, because some people get, they're so sensitive. So like, oh, you cannot do that. You know, you cannot, uh, you know, now you remind me that they cannot do it. No, that is one way of interpreting it. The other way is, and I think that's the more growth-minded way of interpreting it, is like, no, this person is, is treating me like any other normal person. Yeah, and that's so important. It's really, really important. When you talk to them like, to other people when you treat them like all the other normal people they love it yeah. they love it exactly and but there comes again my mindset you know when you have somebody who then is like oh you know but i can't do it because i'm in a wheelchair and da, 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 da. i mean that's one i think at one point we and that we as coaches can really help people with that is kind of like what i call thought reversals yeah it's like in the beginning they always say like no i cannot do that isn't that i'm like you cannot do it yet or um you know maybe you can't get there but before you get there also for me if i want to get there something there are many steps in between it's really about indeed how do you frame success and i mean like even in jiu-jitsu like as you know jiu-jitsu can be ultra frustrating especially in the beginning because you're kind of like surviving all the time and you're kind of like the hell so i mean like when i started especially being what 48 kilos at that time i didn't get close to any submission let alone to any dominant position but i learned that It was already success when somebody needed more time to submit me or when I could escape before they submitted me. And that was for me already success. And also studies show, they call this the 1585 principle, is that you want to be 85% of time successful and 15% you want to fail. Because if you are more successful, it's too easy. When you feel too much, um, it is then too difficult and it's then demoralizing. And in jiu-jitsu, like <laughs> you will feel in the beginning, kind of, if, if you look at it, like, you know, you will feel 100%. However, in this 100%, there are definitely moments that it took longer for them to submit you or you didn't get submitted at all, even though you were like, I don't know, mounted for five minutes or maybe you got out. Like that is like how you can frame it. And I really realized for many, it's just reminding them that I'm kind of like, oh, it does not work yet. Or more like, Yeah, but that's okay. Like we're all different, but just because that doesn't work doesn't mean you cannot train mashuat. Like we just go baby steps. Like there are also people that they learn quicker, but also usually the people that learn quicker also like invest a lot. Like I always say to my students, you cannot. We have a few. They started and they were fairly talented, or what people would say. I mean, I don't like the word talented, but they learn things quickly. But therefore, they didn't think that they need to work hard because they think I'm talented, right? So yeah. I shouldn't need to work hard. Yeah. Uh so eventually. 
those that have to work hard for it because nothing came naturally to them, they train a lot, they invest a whole lot more time and eventually they surpass the student. And then the student's like, huh, how come that this student is now beating me up? Like, put more effort in it. It's like, if you want something, you have to put effort in yeah. it. And sometimes the effort is like not necessarily on a physical plane, but more like on the mental, emotional plane that you just need to get moving. Like for your students that they are in a wheelchair. However, there are moments once a week where they can stand tall and proud and they can do their exercises there. And But that's the mental thing to accept that that is fine and that that is also totally valid. And they're so thankful for the yeah. for the opportunity. I think when you're starting as a coach um, with uh, people with disabilities, it's important to understand you give them opportunities and um, most of them won't have uh, a big uh, self-confidence and they don't feel comfortable with the situation or with uh, their own body and these are the things the topics you are working with not only the movement and not only the martial arts it's it's a tool it's a tool it, It doesn't matter if it is boxing or it is karate or taekwondo. You you took something you love. My uh, my point is something I love. I give them as a tool and they see, hey, I can do something I never imagined. And it's an opportunity to test it, to see if it's, if it could happen, mm -hmm. what could happen with me, with my body. Do I feel it? What do I feel? Have I lost this feeling? And I remember. And um, you don't have to be scary. When you, the coach, you you see them in a wheelchair and you uh, think, okay, I can't touch them hard or I can talk to them uh, more strong. They want to be grabbed. I know uh, I had a situation <laughs> with, uh, with, a, with a guy in a wheelchair He sat in a position for boxing, for uh, beginning to strike, and he can't move really um, slow and uh, focused. And his arm went out of this scene. And <laughs> I came to him and I wanted to touch him real slow real uh, calm mm -hmm. and he said grab my arm put it down do it <laughs> okay <laughs> okay i'm a human touch me okay yeah okay and at this moment i i thought to myself oh <laughs> this is a situation he wants to be normal and he wants to be treated normal and it was so good he said this to me because We, we all think they're deceased. We have to stay real uh, polite. And when they say, hey, grab this arm or this leg, you will grab it and it's okay. <laughs> Don't be scared. They tell you, they tell you straight in your face what they want, yeah, what they yeah. don't want, how they feel. And when you accept this, everything will work. I mean, like this also process to learn to say what you and to learn what you need. I mean, like for, for people with like a mental trauma is usually a bit more difficult, but like for a physical part, I think it's like really good. And I also think like there's one of the misconceptions when it comes to like 
boxing therapy or trauma-informed coaching is that people think it's coddling, that people think like, you know, we're yeah. all like, no, no, like we make them like work hard for it, but they want to work hard for it, but you just make sure that they're safe. Yeah. You just make sure that they know that if it doesn't work, it's okay. That if something, you know, like that's just the thing that you create a safe space again, that they just there, like what you described in the beginning, that they were all super like ashamed and were like, but merely they were fighting themselves really because they were afraid like, what if I can't do it? What if it looks shitty? What, what if, but what you as a coach did was like, yeah, but what if it works? What if it makes you feel good? What if you can still stand up now, even if you are like hoisted up, doesn't matter, you stand, right? And I think this, what if you just fought reverse and I think that's like the power that you can give with therapeutical part of boxing uh, and the same with trauma-informed. I was thinking like when you said like people in a wheelchair and they like, if they want to like spar with each other, I was like thinking like that their defense must be so good because they cannot go away. Cause you sit there. I don't know where they do this, but it's only just like single. But I was just thinking sometimes what would we have if our students just able-bodied that they would just, um, they run away you know, so they just kind of like, and I'm kind of like, dude, when you're like in a ring, whatever you can, I'll run away all the time. So we said we, we put them against the wall. So they, they have to kind of like either close up or they really need to start. Yes. Really start moving their heads and learn how to kind of like move well. But I was thinking like, if you were like in a wheelchair, you can't get away. You probably like learned this so well, even if it's slow motion, I think you learned this. Like, I think there are like, also there's another way. Maybe I should let them sit down next time. And just do our own bondage. I just like bind them with a belt against the against the pillars. <laughs> it works fine. Yeah, I can tell you, it works really, really good. But they do sparring also. All right, tell me about that. <laughs> I have two uh, younger boys, uh, both in a wheelchair, and after half a year, one of them went and said, "Hey, what ask?" Hey, Antigona, yeah. Boxing is something hard. Yeah. Potentially. <laughs> yeah, could be. <laughs> and um, normally we, you're standing in a, in a ring. Yeah. Okay. What, <laughs> what do you want? Yeah, I want to spar. Yeah, why not? Sorry? Yeah, I want to spar. Um, Okay, so, um, you know, you strike someone and it hurts him. And when someone strikes you, it also hurts. Maybe it will hurt. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's cool. It's cool. Uh, okay. You have a sparring partner. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have uh, everything's done. Okay. So second one came in. Oh, yeah, sure. You got it. Yeah. I knew. Yeah. Okay. They said in front of me, can we spar? Can we spar? Okay, I tell you guys the rules. I want to say break. You both break. You have to listen to me carefully. When you don't listen, we won't spar mm -hmm. anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. So, okay. They put their gloves on. And, <laughs> oh, Jesus, I thought, oh, please, please, please. But they were like so in, the, in the wheelchair, right? So facing each other. They were in their wheelchair, already sitting here in a the wheelchair. They're set, covered to each other. I, oh, Jesus, <laughs> I, I, I was in a dilemma. It was so funny 
on one point and on the other side I thought oh please I hope so much they won't get hurt okay uh, so I took my time guys one minute sparring okay you know the strikes yeah jack punch hook uh -huh. okay yeah and it was it was really uh, like <laughs> in a competition I, believe I stood in the middle like a referee usually uh, does my hand came in the middle fight and they started to fight war i tell you it was the most impressive and funniest thing uh, with these guys it was so incredible because they showed me up all the techniques we we practiced mm -hmm. till this time jab punch hook okay uppercut uh, mean yeah it was okay it was okay but there were so uh, i don't know how to describe they were happy they were with so much power they wanted to compete but they wanted to hurt really each other they wanted to feel how it mm -hmm. how it is to spar yeah. to have uh, someone who challenges you to see okay there is somebody Mm -hmm. I could hurt, but I don't. It's it's a friend yeah. of mine, but I, he could hurt me. And does this work to cover? Uh, can I strike really good? Is my strike reaching my partner? Is this, is this not? How is uh, the, the difference between uh, sitting uh, like uh, more in the right side or more in the left side when I dug up? Does this all uh, work? And it was so great. And after a minute, they both were so damaged. <laughs> they were totally, there was nothing to do anymore with them. But they were so happy and they said, okay, every week, sparring. Okay. But in the end, in boxing, it is hands only. So, you know, in many ways, I'm like, why not? Right? I, I, I think also for a moment or not for a moment they're just equal and they just do normal things like who cares whether it's the wheelchair carrying you or your own legs in for boxing it's, it's hands only anyway so who cares yeah and um so i think for them and also i think about the hurting one another i think it's a, it's the fact that they can take control over something because when you are in yeah. a wheelchair you feel i think so often i mean i don't know i mean i've never in i can imagine that you just feel so helpless sometimes because you just cannot just get up and run off if you have to or whatever but that here it's just like this context within they can also dominate and get control in a healthy way not in a, not in a, in, oh, yeah. in a toxic and, and damaging way but in a healthy way i think mm. for young boys but also women too i think it's just so important that they realize that they also can take you know the spotlight yeah so i think that is really a beautiful story yeah yeah, it was great. It was really, really great. And yeah, we are doing sparring, but not every week. It's okay. Once in a month, it's enough. They have to practice <laughs> even more than sparring. <laughs> yeah, but they also get better and can punch harder. So like, I think at one point you get, you'll do more damage. I think that we had this. Oh, they can punch. Yeah, <laughs> this is like the thing. Like with jujitsu, we also had with the little ones at first. Like they would jump on our backs from behind, do a rear naked choke, and in the beginning it wasn't a problem because we got out always. But their rear naked chokes got better and their timing got better. So at one point we didn't get out. That was a fine. I mean, we just tapped. But then 
they did they also did this to each other <laughs> so at one point the kid had to cry because it was just so shocked because also like bam so then we we're like okay guys you're not allowed to do it not necessarily because we're against it but more like you guys our technique is too good like it's too fast so let's not do it anymore and i think also their boxing when they get i mean still like they can still have the best technique i mean one of the best yoga teachers i ever had was somebody who was in a wheelchair he could not show anything he was in a wheelchair but he was so clear in yeah. describing telling you how to do it he was really one of the best he could cue the best because words was what he has so he excelled at that and I think why, why I mean, wheelchair for boxing, why can you not be one of the most technical and skilled boxers, right? So now I see that once a month is probably <laughs> the healthier, better way. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a more healthier way for them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then we're getting towards the end. So my question is, what is your favorite quote or something that you kind of want to tell to listeners or coaches, like say they meet somebody or somebody who, would has a physical uh, or mental disability or disease what would you tell coaches that have never done this before and maybe feel very bit scared or apprehended about it what would you tell them i would tell them to be scared it's it's good to be scared but you don't have to be so when you're scared you are uh, focused you're trying not to do uh, so much faults but uh, try. It's really, really, really uh, a special thing, a good thing. It's a good thing for the people with diseases, uh, no matter if they're uh, physical or mental disease. And um, it gives so much joy to you, to the people they come to you. And um, when you have, a, for example, a group of uh, martial artists, and no one is there with a disease and someone comes with a disease and want to practice with all the other guys, uh, let him do this because it's, it's a, a special thing inclusive to include them in a normal way of martial arts and all the people learn how to uh, act with uh, someone who uh, does have a disease. And uh, yeah, it's a special, very, very, something in your life you will never want to miss to work with them and uh, they will love it and they will give you so much back so much love and uh, so much trust it's 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 great i even can't describe it because i love it so much i really love it so much because for me it's it's great to see especially working with people and mental diseases i Tell them on the first uh, talk together, tell me one goal, just one goal you want to reach. Take a goal, not so high, but one we could reach together. And when we reach this only one thing, it's so great for me to see, okay, reach this goal and for the person, is a great thing because they see, okay, everything's possible. And that's a great, great, great thing. Then we leave it at here. Thank you very much, Antigona, for sharing your story because I think it's something that's just overlooked way too much. And also for those listeners that may want to reach out to Antigona, 
you will find her details in the show notes below. If you have questions or you want to start something yourself, I think she's more than happy to just give you some tips or help you there along the way. Because also when you start anything new, you will make mistakes. That's normal. You have yeah. to grow into it as well. So no worries there. And then for the rest, I wish you all a lovely day. You. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you, Antigona, for this lovely chat that sheds light on topics not often discussed and overlooked. Your story is so inspiring. I'm sure that many listeners are inspired too and happy to learn from you. Martial arts can indeed be such a powerful tool. Do you want to reach out to Antigona? Find her details in the show notes below.